Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Even at like seven, I was very cheap, and I'm like, I'm going to have this, this shirt for a long time. I can't even comprehend this question. I wouldn't want land. I wouldn't want animals. I don't want any of that. I don't want scenery. I don't want space. No, it didn't look like... I don't like want open spaces at all. It looked like there was a... within miles of that place. I'm out. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Live on a Wednesday, Battleborn Broadcast Center, Cofield, Adam Hill, back in our Finley Toyota Studios. It's Ari. It is Big Five time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. Man, having a TV discussion on this show has just become nearly impossible with you guys. All you guys, all the company, between Candy and Ari and Willie, no one has any G-damn time anymore. So can I count on Adam Hill that he's actually watching a sports show, Winning Time, The Lakers Story on HBO? Please, please, please. By the way, you just reminded me of something that uh, I brought something for you based on that. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I did. A I gift? A, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, Winning time through uh, episode three now. The, oh, I'm uh, watching. Showtime Lakers. Oh, I'm watching. Last episode was awesome. I uh, every, It's been – I've watched every episode twice. Really? I am 100% all in. Well, it is – okay, So you have, you have not been dissuaded by some of the negative talk that they're embellishing a bit? No, because I'm – I'm also going back and trying to like read up on a lot of the, you know, like I, I think one of the things you we were gonna talk about maybe is the uh, Pat Riley timeline, and I th- they're taking things out of order a little bit, but you kind of understand why they didn't want to go back because Pat Riley became a broadcaster two years before this all happened, um, and I don't know if you're doing the same thing with like going back. I'm not. <laughs> I'm gonna read stuff. afterwards. Yeah, because I'm getting little snippets of. Um, the the switch over from Jack Kent Cook to um, to Jerry Bus to Jerry Bus didn't happen as quick as they're saying it. Did. Well, through all the things that are going on right now, for those that aren't watching, sorry that yeah. we're giving away. But for the, for everything that's happening right now, Bus and Cook were both owners. Like right. the, it, the transition was happening, they were both making the decisions. Right. So it wasn't just Jerry Bus and this little incident that they showed between Chick Hearn. And, and Pat Riley, it happened two years before this all happened. And it really so did it, happen. So that's been verified that Chick Hearn was using that kind of language? That's the that's the story. I mean, that's sure. pretty pretty damning. I mean, it was also the year of the 70s, so sure. lots of people spoke like that. And so, But then, so Pat Riley became a broadcaster two years earlier. He was on the broadcast team when this all happened. But it's tough to kind of tell that storyline in the context of this movie. So you, under, you understand why they made it simultaneous to everything else that's going on. But this did happen it just was out of place in the movie the uh the tark thing happened right bus made a run at tark yeah oh yeah oh yeah bus and cook together um and i mean i don't know how much we want to spoil but the incident that happened at the very end that that's real is real and it, it's what happened it, it is what threw off the deal but their dinner had actually happened in LA, not in not at Piero's. Oh, it didn't happen at Piero's. Piero's got a really nice pop. It did on the uh, on the winning time. Um, show. But I think they probably did have dinner at Piero's at some point. Right. But I think they wanted to make it so that the the mobsters saw that and tied it in that way. What did you think of the way they kind of portrayed Tark? I mean, the guy. I don't love. I the thought guy. he was a little more bombastic than Tark was. I don't know. I mean, I think 
I think we. I also feel like there's we so many, later there's so many characters that suddenly have a New York accent. Fair. I mean, it's just weird. I, I, you know, the other one is I, I hear commercials locally. It's like everyone wants to do a New York accent. Like it's some attractive thing that's going to draw in you to buy friggin' pizza or insurance. I'm like, I'm like, I don't get it. God, we got to get promo. We should get promo on every week to talk about this. It's his, it's his book. Um, you know what? I, I actually, I don't want to talk to Perlman anytime soon because I don't want him to ruin things. That's true. I don't want him to say, hey, this is not what I wrote. I'm just going to watch the whole thing. I know there's some stuff being embellished, and I know the timeline is off I, in certain regards. I don't care. I, I don't, don't want to know it. The only thing that is disappointing to me, I wish there were 12-hour episodes <laughs> and that there was a 1,000 of them. I would watch every second. Well, I well, any, love you know, this. Anytime you go behind the curtain with legendary sports figures, it's fascinating, and I don't, I don't, I don't think Jerry West was as bad as they're making him look. But in terms <laughs> of being, be? in, in terms of being ultra competitive and maybe tortured by the fact that he could never, ever, he eventually did, but almost never beat the Celtics, and that there was a Celtics Lakers history. Like Red Auerbach, there's a character there. He was a jerk. Red he, oh, he was, was such a jerk, and you're like, I God, I hope he was that much of a jerk. There, there's nothing I want more to be true than. Okay. Again, I don't care about spoilers at this point. Then a <laughs> watch then the show. It's a, already three weeks in. Then Magic Johnson attending the premiere of Norm Nixon's movie. Oh yeah. And a pimp approaching him and be like, "I got some fun stuff going on over here at this house." And halfway through the movie, Magic's like, "Yeah, let me go check out the fun stuff at this house." Like, I, mean, I really want that to has, be completely true. Has anyone disputed that one? Well, again, I have no doubt Magic Johnson went to some of those parties. Yeah. I'm just saying. I hope. That halfway through the movie, he was like, nah, I'm out. I'm going to this. By the way, after being starstruck in awe of Bill Cosby. Yeah. At the premiere. Oh, yeah. And then calling Cookie back home like, Cosby, he had all this attention. It was great. I I am so all in on I this know, show. It's a crazy show. Good. Well, when you're on, we'll try to recap it. Number four. Do we have to recap what's going on right now with the Golden Knights? This is unreal. I know they're beat to hell. I know they just had all this drama with the Danoff. They got nothing. They can't friggin' score. No. Well, they got they don't have any of their players. So crazy. I'll say this. The Golden Knights AHL team can't really compete with an NHL team. I think we've learned that. We've learned that. We, we have learned that. And I think, you know, that maybe that's the lesson for the season. Your AHL team is not as good as other teams' NHL teams. I guess we figured that out. Um, anything that can go wrong has gone wrong. Now, I think it's easy for people to pile on on this the Donoff situation, but... Really, if you're blaming the Golden Knights for this, there's, it's borderline ignorant. You're a defender of the organization. This was not their fault. No. The, the uh, no trade list thing is is a bunch of bunk. It's Ottawa's fault, and to some extent, the Donoff's agent's fault. Um, that's who's at fault here. By the way, what's his problem with Anaheim? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I think it's more, at this point, I don't even think it's Anaheim. I think it's more, hey, I'm... You're trading me to to some to play some irrelevant games, right? Like I want to at least have a chance to make a, a playoff. Like I'd like to go do that. Now he's hamstringing the organization's chances to get to that playoff by doing this, but he wants to play games that matter. I don't really blame. Him for, and by the way, yes, Anaheim's great. Vegas is better. Like I wouldn't want to leave Vegas, but I also no. But of all places, like Anaheim is not. You know, it's not freaking the peg or Minnesota. No, but I think if you also look at his no trade, there's a lot of just teams that aren't very good. And I think he wants to play more competitive, more. I guess after, after you've been in Ottawa, you're like, I can't do this again. Yeah. Let me let me go some places that are relevant. And so it's going to be tough. I mean, I think, you know, is the name now Step Daddy? 
Like he's he's here, but he's kind of not. Like he's, he's kind of reintroduced. I don't know how they're gonna negotiate this one. It's he's back with the team now. So what are you gonna tomorrow night? They're gonna take little, the ice, and little, he's probably gonna awkward. be in the lineup. He has to be. They this need is him. weird. It's an incredibly weird situation that really is no fault of their own. As you know, as, as our legal insider Justin Watkins said earlier, like the Golden Knights should be compensated in some way, and I'm sure the rest of the league is gonna be like, "What with them? You're gonna get?" The, but yes. He, the Golden Knights were wronged in this situation, completely and totally wronged by another organization and some, and to some degree, an agent and to some degree, the not for not just being like, all right, fine, I'll, I'll, you know what, I had a no trade, but I get it, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll do this and I'll just take the trade. And by all these different people, the Golden Knights are wronged. This sucks for the organization. It's not their fault. Number three. You know, a part that a lot of people aren't going to talk about, well, they will in New York, uh, with this Tyreek Hill to Miami deal is the fact that the Jets got snubbed, that the Jets did work out a deal to trade for him. Dolphins got him, and, you know, the Jets whiff on it, and the Jets are now in a position where you figured, as a Jets fan, hey, Brady's gone, the division's going to open up, there's some upper mobility, and they're back in a position looking up at all three organizations. They're like, yeah, they're just better than us. The Dolphins... Whether it's two or not moving forward, the Dolphins are going in a good direction, and especially you love your boy, Mike McDaniel. Oh, yeah. Jets fans, and I you know, I saw our buddy Brandon Tierney, who does uh, WFAN, and he was like, oh, you know, GM tried, and you know, he's energetic. And Is there a reality for New York fans, as I've been mentioning for like five years now, players don't want to go there. A lot of them don't want to go there. Because yeah. the organizations aren't the football organizations both stink, and it's not an easy play uh, place to play and live. Yeah, and well, maybe you had your choice. I mean, be objective because you love you know Yale guy Mike McDaniel. Like sure. where, where would you where would you want to live? Where would you go? I think it would depend on the organization, the direction. I think the organization's going. Who's going in a better direction? Miami, right? And and Tyreek Hill put up a post earlier about coming home, which I was confused by. He is from Georgia. Um. I guess it's southeast. I guess it's home. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Coming probably, back to the region. Probably spends a lot of time in Miami, I would imagine. I, yeah. I don't know. But he, you know, obviously there is some connections to the southeast. And by the way, there is, like, being closer to home is a thing. Like, Devontae Adams talked about that. Of yeah. He's from the Bay Area. He can jump on a flight and be home in 45 minutes. And from Green Bay, it's like a process to try to get there. Like, there is, being in the region is helpful. It's kind of like coming home. Um but I think this is just more looking at the situation that the teams are in and saying, like, yeah, I want to be a part of what they're doing down there. They are closer to competing. And Tyreek Hill doesn't have a lot of time left in his career. I mean, he's 28. He's 28. You know, we've talked about that 30 cliff that especially guys that are toolsy like Tyreek Hill tend to fall off. Um, there's not a whole lot of time to play at that highest level. So you've been playing with the Chiefs, who are a Super Bowl contender every year. I don't know that Miami's a Super Bowl contender, but they're at least closer than the Jets are. And... Uh, Tua compared to Zach Wilson, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I think I'd probably rather wait, play with Tua, but it's, it's close. I, don't, I wouldn't mind living in New York City, but the team's not really in New York City. And I think I'd pick Miami. Number two. So this deal goes down five picks from Miami to the Chiefs. The Chiefs move on Tyreek Hill because he wanted a monster contract, and you can't blame him because he really hasn't been paid like he deserves, but why hasn't he been paid that monster amount? Because of him. 
yeah. because of his problems in college and maybe the problem with his fiance slash wife and their kid. He put himself behind the eight ball. There are a lot of women, and I've heard women in the media speak up on this, who are already pissed off about Deshaun Watson essentially getting a better deal, getting a raise through all this, still facing 22 civil cases. How does this feel now that Tyreek Hill is the highest paid receiver in football, at least for the short term? I mean, you can't feel good. You can't, you can't love it. And does it again send it, – it's it's one of these quandaries. Are you ever forgiven? There are gray areas in these cases, in both the cases of Tyreek Hill and Deshaun Watson. Not There's no gray area in what he did in college with Tyreek Hill. But they both were rewarded with deals, making him the highest paid player, at least in the case of Deshaun Watson, the most guaranteed money ever. And I don't want to throw it out there like, oh, typical NFL, shows what they really care about. Well – as a Dolphins fan now, I'm a little bit, I forgot you are you, a little bit offended by this. This is amazing. Your uh, journey around the country is with your NFL fandom. Um Yeah, I mean I I understand the the conflict. I understand the um the reasoning for a lot of that. It's also you know I, I don't know. I, I I'm sure that there are people that are very conflicted on this and are upset about it. Um I don't know what the solution would be. You can't you know, you you can't say a team can't pay a guy what they want to pay him. Yeah. Like you really can't do that. Tyreek Hill paid a price. He made less money. Yeah. He's been you know through the justice system. In the case of Deshaun Watson, I I don't know until all the details come out. I still think there's sure. a ton that's unknown. And I I'll, I'll say this. I'll probably put myself on the griddle. I keep hearing people say it's 22 allegations. I don't know that the number matters. I think, there's some, I think there's some really interesting, you know, circumstances around this Busby guy. Oh, true. And and I also like, I don't. I mean, we have no idea what it is, but also the the thought that one of the thoughts that I had about. It, I think there's a lot of different thoughts about it. But in in my like when I was trying to process all of it early on, one of the thoughts I had was he had an experience with a masseuse at some point, and something happened, and he was comfortable and she wasn't. And he just decided, or not decided, but said, oh, this is how these interactions go. Like, is that possible? I have no idea. I don't think anybody knows. And that, yeah, that would, he he does it every time because he thinks that's how it happens. He thinks that's how it goes. I, I have no idea if that's what it is. No clue. But I think there's a lot of different ways to look at it and process it. And this is, it's awful, but the legal system has started to play out. I also, I, I'll, out. I'll throw the other thing out there. I also, I also, do not believe that the Browns don't care, that they didn't look into it, that they don't yeah. have some sense of what happened. Yeah. They made the decision knowing something. Yeah. It, well, they made the decision that he's a top three quarterback and they were going to go. But I think they know more than that in terms of details of the cases. I don't know if they do. Because I, I would say all they cared about is that there was no criminal situation. And they are helping him out with a contract that is favorable to if he gets suspended, not having to pay that much money. And if he does have to pay off some lawsuits, which it looks like he will at some point, that doesn't affect them at all. Like, I, I think it they care about if a guy's going to be available. If he's going to jail, they don't want him. So he's going to be in jail. They don't want that guy. But if it's going to be civil, I don't think it matters to them. And, and that sucks to some people. It, it kind of sucks to me. But that's the reality of the situation. It's not really going to change. And it really can't change. You can't tell teams... Well, you can only pay this guy this much money if you know he did something like this, and because where where would the line be? Because I was just thinking about I actually just tweeted it out. 
Like, how mad is Stephon Diggs right now? Stephon Diggs is making $12 million a year. He's one of the top three receivers in the entire football, in the National Football League. Why, why is it? Because he's, and he tweeted out some things about, like, oh, it's interesting. This guy's getting paid. Uh, Stephon Diggs clearly does not treat women very well. We've seen the stories. His teammates have spoken out, like, I would not let my sister date that dude. We've seen those videos. We've we've heard the stories of what's going on with him because are we going to have a problem? Should we not pay him because of that? I don't know. I have no idea what we're, you know, where we're going to draw that line. And I wouldn't know how to. And I don't think the league should make those determinations. Number one. Top story coming up. Let's get to uh, Devontae Adams. What are we saying yesterday as uh, he was talking about his revitalized relationship with Derek Carr? I'll tell you this, Derek Carr, it is time to pay up, buddy. Time to pay up. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. No hard feelings about anything, you know? I mean, I had a great 21 years at Fox. I, I guess what's perplexing to me is that I had no conversation with my boss until he called me to congratulate me on my contract with ESPN. It's Cofield and Company. And then when I did talk with him, I uh, when he called to congratulate me, I just asked for an explanation on some things that I didn't quite understand, and 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 he opted not to do that as well. So um, I guess that's where it's left. That's how I'll leave Fox, and and that's fine. And that's fine. Well, it's not fine. He's talking about it. That's Trey Aikman. But we haven't gotten to that topic. We'll have to hit it another day. But this whole merry-go-round with all the uh, TV announcers and Aikman started coming unraveled towards the end of the season. Wasn't he whining during a game about not getting a good game? And like, I don't know, Troy, maybe he just became a giant pain in the ass. And they looked at the money that ESPN was offering. And Eric Shanks at Fox was like, yeah, I don't want to talk to you. So, there's you know there's stuff behind the scenes on that one. That was from the uh, SI Media podcast. So, yesterday, Devonta Adams sits down with you guys at the facility for a press conference. He sits down with Raiders.com and does a one-on-one. And I hadn't heard this one, and I forgot, you know, all the – there was a lot of pitching by Derek Carr who would say, you know what, I want Devontae Adams here. Oh, I'm not tampering, not tampering. Uh, according to Devontae Adams, uh, Carr did promise him something if Adams eventually landed with the Raiders. The other thing is I need everybody to make sure they keep bringing up. He told me beforehand there's edits, all type of stuff. His brother even tweeted it out to remind him, which I really appreciated. But uh, he said, I will buy him a car. He said that at the uh, at the, the Tahoe golf tournament last year. He, they were talking to him about it. He said, I will buy him a car if he comes and plays with me. Whatever I got to do. So I've been feeling like really Ferrari-ish lately. The, the F12 super fast is really, really nice. Um, there's some there's some stuff. Oh, I want to downplay it. Maybe a Rolls Royce Cullinan. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I just hate your takes. You hate my takes. I hate your takes. Because there's two teams here that you're missing. First of all, Who am I the, missing? the Chiefs. on the way back there ripping on Bart Scott who did not have the Chiefs in his top five now that was yesterday Tyreek Hill has been traded are the Chiefs not a top five team in the AFC that's to be debated a lot in all the AFC West cities didn't have in the top seven Saran Petro is with us WHB in Kansas City Petro how you doing buddy I'm doing well I was uh, actually speaking with Bart Scott earlier today I was on his show oh really how was that uh, I was fine. It was pleasant. I, I actually heard from friends uh, in other towns that uh, they were very complimentary of my uh, 
of my, uh, I don't know, what, what do we do here? Is this a spot, a set, a hit? <laughs> Whatever the hell it was, uh, apparently guess. I got uh, an A-plus grade. Kind of be on a curve. I guess, maybe, you know, but tops is tops, Adam. I know you've never seen that part of the, well, you know, the structure before. Who else was on, who else was on the show? That's the real question. Uh, I can't remember. It was, it was, he had a co-host, and, I, and I, they, they kind of garbled the name when they were telling me, and so I apologize for not yeah. being able to answer that. I assume it's his normal co-host. but yeah, it's, it's, uh, Alan, it's Alan Hahn. It's Barton Hahn. No, I mean, what other the, guests were on the show that okay. you would that you would have got an A+. How about we, how about we, we have uh, Petro for uh, limited time here? If, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, I, I think there's like uh, uh, President Obama. Uh, okay, okay that's know. a good lineup. Uh, I think maybe like uh, Ben Affleck. Um, oh, you know, I, 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 I'm not sure though. I can't. I, I can't confirm. So, Seren, what just happened today with Tyreek Hill? Uh, looks like he got traded, Steve. Um, I think that's the, you know the the short of it. I, I think the reality of it is this is something that you know I think maybe even you and I touched on this last year that when they were putting everything together for the 2020 season and and trying to make it all fit, they rolled back the money on the uh, on the contract on the roster bonus of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they rolled back money on Chris Jones' uh, contract. He had a roster bonus, and they asked uh, Tyree Kill to restructure. And at that time, Tyree Kill said no. And generally the way those things work, you get the same money. Usually you get it either sooner or roughly the same time, right? It's usually not a financial hit when you're asked to do it. But Tyreek Hill said no, and I, and I pointed out at that time, I said to everybody in Kansas City, I said, shots fired, right? Like here's the first, the, the negotiations on an extension for Tyreek Hill begin right now. And he wasn't willing to roll things back, which was to me a sign that Drew Rosenhaus and Tyreek Hill were saying, well, I mean, we'll give you some relief, but you're going to put it into a new contract that gives us a big fat signing bonus and guarantees a bunch of money, but we're not just, you know, moving chairs around on the deck, right? Like it's going to have to be significant or we're not doing it. And I think that set the groundwork. Um, You know, we've heard that Tyreek Hill wanted to be the highest paid uh, wide receiver in football. Uh, That seems to jive with what happened today. I've been told people in and around the negotiations that not only did he want to be the highest, he wanted to be the highest APY average per year. He wanted to have the highest bonus. He wanted to have the highest guaranteed. I mean, they they were adamant about making him the highest paid receiver. And listen, I'm not trying to villainize Terry Kill at all. You know, he was a guy that had controversy when he was at Oklahoma State and that ended up driving him out of Oklahoma State, drove him down to the fifth round in a draft. Uh, and so he didn't get paid like he, I'm sure, thought he was uh, worth. Then when it came time for a new contract, uh, there were all the allegations against Tyree Kill, which audio ended up pretty much you know, saying that he didn't do anything and even seemed to you know, uh, make it pretty clear that there probably wasn't a lot of truth to what was being accused of him uh, back at Oklahoma State, yet he had to take a below-market-value deal, and a deal that guaranteed him really nothing every year. Anytime there was any kind of trouble, the Chiefs could walk on him. And so he did everything the right way. And I think now he wanted to, you know, make that money back. He, it was important for him to be the number one guy. And, and I think for the Chiefs, $30 million a year just isn't something that fits uh, in their cap right now. And so it made uh, a trade a necessary thing. Tweet on March 12th. We came a long way. Thank you, Chiefs Kingdom. I'm forever indebted. That was from Tyreek Hill. Did you guys address that? Was it ignored? Because I don't know that anyone else around the country really addressed it. Uh, at that time, the, the conversation was that, that you know, you'll have to check my, my dates on this. I mean, I'm pretty sure that was before the Devontae Adams deal came down. And what happened was they went into the offseason. Listen, I started talking about a trade 
midseason. I started hearing that, look, this could be a reality of where things were going, and if he's, if he's wanting to completely reset the receiver market, you know, don't know that it's going to be able to fit, right? Don't know that they're going to be able to make it all work. And so I think that was something that was in the Chiefs' mind going into the offseason. I think they wanted to give it their best shot. They did. I think they were probably a little bit pleasantly surprised that it looked like they, they felt like the early reports were that they could get something done, that it was, it was a workable number and the Chiefs could get there. Now the reports were anywhere from 21, 22 and a half. Some people were saying 23, 24 million uh, per. Uh, then the Christian Kirk deal came down. I don't know if you can see on Tyree Kill's uh, Twitter timeline, he did the googly eyes on the Christian Kirk one, 18, what, what at the time was thought to be 21 million per. It ended up being 18 million per on that deal. I think that, from what I've heard, changed how much guaranteed money they wanted. Uh, Drew Rosenhaus and Tyree Kill wanted. Uh, that, that moved that number up. And then the Devontae Adams really, I think, blew it up. And so uh, I, I think there, there was a feeling that things were going well, that there was a path to get there. Uh, and I know that uh, Brett Veach and having talked to him in previous years and, you know, looking back on years in the past that, you know, they set their free agent course in December and it has a number of different paths. If we can get Tyreek Hill for this, we go this direction. If we get a long-term deal with Orlando Brown done, we go this direction. You know, there are all the different, you know, decisions that have to be made and they have a path that they're going to follow dependent upon how those things come down. And I think this one was, okay, if we can get them done at this amount, these are the things we'll do. Once it goes beyond this number, then we've got to look to trade him. And, and I think, you know, part of the reason that this came together the way it did is because I think there were teams out there that knew it. I, you know, I can't confirm that the Chiefs were letting the word out there that uh, you know, made available. I know agents were talking about it the last couple of weeks, but I get the vibe that it was known that, that if the numbers don't fit, Tyreek Hill could be had uh, this offseason. And so, you know, I, th- I think that's where the Chiefs found themselves is, you know, do you – you lock in what, in the end of the day, is $72 million guaranteed dollars worth of cap space to a receiver who's not that old, but will be 28, 29, and 30. And the way the Chiefs were going to have to do it by backloading it would mean his age 30 season, he was going to be counting well over $40 million against their cap. And that's a time where you're kind of on borrowed time as an athlete, and they just weren't willing to put themselves in, in that cap situation. Soren Petro on Cofield and Company. He does show at WHB in Kansas City. All right, so from here they go, what? Uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling they go you know high level to the Seahawks try to trade for Metcalf or Lockett what are they going to do yeah I think I I always think these these things have like three I think we might have talked about this before there are three layers to it like one how'd you get here we just kind of laid that out I don't think I really don't think there's a villain in this and like I said I don't think Tyree kills a villain to want to be the highest paid and I don't think the Chiefs are villains to say listen we can't make this fit Uh, so they are where they are the second part of the story is what do you get and, you know, early in the day, people hear the Jets, they're like, oh, number four and number 10. Uh, the Jets were never offering a first-round pick. Neither number four nor number 10 was involved. Uh, and I think, I think Adam Schefter, we, we talked about this on our show, and Adam Schefter uh, put out the actual pick numbers that were on it, but it was a couple of seconds, and, and I think it was a third, and the Chiefs giving back a fourth, if I'm not mistaken, something along those lines, maybe a fifth. But, you know, early reports that had the Chiefs getting a first-round pick or, or both those first-round picks for the Jets, that, that, was, that was never a possibility. So I think the Chiefs did as well as they could do. This, this pick from the Dolphins, particularly for where they are, uh, strapped against the cap, limited number of, of high-quality players under contract beyond this year. They need not just quality, but they need quantity of talented players. So getting more picks, I think, was a good thing for them. The question is, does Brett Veach, and this is you know, kind of him 
playing the long game for the first time. I think he's been aggressive and in attack mode in building the Chiefs because the Chiefs hadn't been to a Super Bowl uh, for 50 years. And then they wanted to keep that group and maximize what they could get from it. And I think now you're seeing a guy who's you know hopefully shifting gears and playing the long game. The question is, He's never he's never traded down in an NFL draft, right? Not one time has he traded down. It's always been a trade up uh, or or trade picks for players, like they did for Orlando Brown uh, last year. And the question is, can he shift gears and 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 trade down and start pushing some of those picks maybe into future years? That's what I think the smart move would be. He's got nine picks, although four of them are seventh round picks, uh, but he's got five picks uh, up top. Um, or actually, I'm sorry, I take the back with the picks. Uh, he got, now he's got uh, 12 picks. Uh, he's got two picks in each of the first four rounds, um, and then he's got four seventh-round picks, uh, and then he's got the two extra picks that, he, that go into uh, the future, go into the 23 draft. And I think the question is, does he use those to move up? I'm sure somewhere in there, based on his nature, he's going to find a reason to go up. Chiefs fans are already having packaging 29 and 30 to get to 10 or 11 or something like that. I don't know that he's necessarily going to do that, like I said, because of the quantity – of players that I think they need, not necessarily to field a starting lineup, but to know that you've got you know the structure you need at, at each position group uh, moving forward. There are some things that they could use. They they only have until they sign Justin Reed at safety, one defensive back under contract beyond this year, and and it's Lajarius Sneed who's a good one, but that's not a position you want to be in. So they they need just depth and bodies, and so I think it's possible that they use all these picks. Uh, to try to replenish the roster and replenish the roster with guys that they have control over, both financially, but also just the quantity of years that they need to make sure that they, you know, aren't aren't just picking up street free agents everywhere on league minimum deals uh, at age thirty thirty one to fill out their roster in the years to come. So we assume there's more moves on the way. The draft is, of course, on the horizon. But where, if you just had to rank today, where would you think the Chiefs stand in the division? Well, so, right, like, so to kind of answer the other part of Steve's question, which I guess I didn't really do a good job of where he mentioned Marquez Valdez-Scantling, they also supposedly had Ronald Jones in today. Uh, I know that they're looking at all the defensive linemen uh, that are available in free agency, and will be taking a long look in the draft at that uh, because they do have needs there. It's, it's something that Brett Beach said in the end-of-the-year press conference that they really wanted to address was the defensive line. And so far all they've done is, you know, rework Frank Clark's deal to where they could keep him at the same price it would be to cut him and re-sign Derek Noddy. So they haven't really gotten around to doing any of that. So I, I think there will be a veteran added to the mix. I mean, to your question, Adam, like it's, it's kind of tough to answer because – if they, with the $20 million of cap room that they have, and now $28 million overall, which puts them at the you know, uh, most cap room in, in the NFL, now they, they do have a draft class to sign in. It's going to be a big uh, draft class. They also have, like I said, they can roll back money on, on Patrick Mahomes. They can roll back money uh, on Chris Jones. I don't think they want to do either one of those things. They definitely don't want to do it with Chris Jones because that would make his cap hit next year $38 million. So I don't, I don't think they want to get there. But I think that, you know, there's still a little, there's work to be done. They're just getting started on their free agency part. Uh, Brett Beach said that they would be in the second wave, that he didn't see him making any moves. You know, there would be no Joe Tooney move uh, this year for the Chiefs. And by the way, they restructured his deal and got $9.6 million worth of cap room from him as well. So, you know, right now, where would I put him? I mean, I would put him third. You know, I'm not trying to be rude, but probably ahead of the Raiders. Um, but, you know, I, I would listen to Raider fans. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and have an argument if they want to say the Raiders are in a better spot. I mean, you can make that case. I, I think the Chiefs' overall talent is, is still better, and I think Patrick Mahomes is that big a difference uh, for them. But I think it could look different. I mean, if you add Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Ronald Jones, and let's say Jadavion Clowney, 
which if they backload the deals, they could sign all three of those guys, and then they get into the draft with two firsts, two seconds, two thirds, and two fourths. You know, they that 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 team, you know, all of a sudden looks like it could be getting back towards the top of the AFC West. So right now, I mean, I guess I I would say third with an outside, you know, third with the possibility of still being on top, but third knowing that there's still a lot of work and and additions that are going to be made to this roster. Seren, do they keep Patrick Mahomes in the loop on stuff like this? Like, he was not shocked this morning that Tyreek Hill was gone, right? No, I I don't think he was shocked at all. I think that's one of the things that um, Andy Reid understands, Brett Veach understands. I think there's a great working relationship amongst those three for sure. And any kind of move like this to a primary target, Patrick Mahomes, is going to be kept aware of. You know, it, it got a big... Big run a couple of years ago when they drafted Clyde, Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Patrick Mahomes had, had, you know, the report was there that Brett Veach had asked him, well, who do you like? And he said, well, I really like this running back from LSU. And, you know, I, I think it was more coincidence that they ended up taking him, not that Patrick Mahomes, you know, some people wanted to make it out that he said that's the guy he wants and they ran out and got him the guy he wants. I don't think it works like that. I think Patrick Mahomes and his agent are smart enough to know that, you know, the football decisions will be made by the football people. They trust in Brett Veach. Brett Veach is the guy who beat on the desk to get Patrick Mahomes. So it's pretty easy to put faith in a guy who had faith in you. And so, I no, I, I listen, is he aware of it? Yes. I, I think they're smart enough to understand no quarterback needs to hear in the media or on social media that uh, or from a friend that is, you know, best deep target, his best uh, number one wide receiver is on his way out of town. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's been aware of it from the get-go. Let's uh, switch tunes here real quick before we get you out. Seren Petros with us, WHB in Kansas City. Better college basketball hire, Kansas State or Missouri, where Desiree Reed Francois is at? Yeah, I, you know, I think when you see the first member of Jerome Tang who, who got hired at K State, uh, the assistant, longtime assistant coach at Baylor, is kind of the chief recruiting guy, the number one recruiting guy for uh, 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 Chris Beard. Beard. At uh, Texas, they go get a guy that, that really did a great job for him at Texas Tech and then the one year at Texas and, and can really get in there and help them recruit Texas. I think the early returns, and I think from a fan base standpoint, there's probably more appreciation. You know, being linked to a team that just won the national championship and did it in your league makes that an easier sell. Um, I, I do know that, you know, th- there, was, there was a lot of interest in, in uh, I'm drawing a blank on Missouri's uh, guy's name. Uh, uh, Dennis Gates? Dennis Gates, thank you. Uh, and Dennis Gates, I mean, supposedly he was all set to go to Georgia until Mike White and his agent were shooting their way out of Florida that he was probably going to be the next coach at Georgia. And, and I talked to Gary Parrish this week, and he said, listen, if he wasn't at Missouri, he was going to be somewhere. There was plenty of interest in him. So, you know, the Missouri Tigers got a very good prospect. The K-State Wildcats got a very good prospect. But, you know, I spent a lot of time quoting things I'd heard from you. Uh, you know, when it came to Missouri, I said, it'll be a younger guy. He'll be squeaky clean. You know, this is what you're going to be looking for. And I think most of Missouri, certainly the excitement level is a lot higher at K-State because I don't think they knew what to expect. Missouri fans were clamoring for Rick Pitino and Sean Miller. And, you know, when they didn't get him, right. Right. There, there was disappointment. Now, listen, I heard Matt Norlander at CBS say that uh, uh, Sean Miller turned down more than a million dollars a year extra uh, from South Carolina to take the Xavier job. And I think the Missouri job is better than the South Carolina job, but I don't think it's light years better. And so if he wasn't going to go, you know, I mean, it's pretty thick in the SEC. I mean, that's, if you're not one of the top four or five teams, you know, it, like it sounds great to be in the SEC, but you're, you're looking up at, 
at all these schools and what's about to be added in Texas with Chris Beard and in Oklahoma. We'll see what Porter Moser does, but that's at least been a traditionally strong program. If you're on the bottom half of the SEC, it is a massive mountain to climb. So, uh, you know, Sean Miller, I don't think, based on, you know, the education you two have given me over the years, was probably ever on Missouri's radar screen. But uh, I don't know that he ever should have been because I don't know that he ever would have taken the job, uh, despite what if you're willing to look past any of his transgressions. Petro, great spot. Even better than a New York spot, I guarantee it. It was really good, really good, really good. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I, the sincerity in your voice means everything to me, Steve. A minus. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there was sincerity back from Petro at the end there. All right, Saran, we'll see you. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks, man. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So I had Alan message me, listener on Twitter, saying that uh, TJ Hushmanzada was on Gottlieb today. I didn't get to hear it, but uh, the listener was saying Hushmanzada had the Chiefs in last place in the AFC West, but I like Petro's answer. The chiefs are freaking very good uh, in terms of putting together a roster They're I think they're really good in the draft. Each is good. Give them, give them another month and let's see what their team looks like. Tyreek Hill is not going to be replaced by one person, but I'm not picking the chiefs for freaking last without seeing what they do here the next month. And in the draft, I think they also have the most cap space now. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Is there a gift there What's is. going on here? There really? Is. This is unusual. It Adam is. usually doesn't have surprises on the show, and he I don't. doesn't like surprises. I don't. Well, here's the thing, though. Uh, this, is an, this is old, and you mentioned us earlier. You, you chastised us for not watching anything. Um, I remember during the height of the pandemic, okay. we had a, a, a situation where we made each other watch something. The other one had got to pick something oh, for yeah. the other person to watch. I never watched. I watched mine. And I never watched. My, I had a, my I, mom. I had to pay for it, and I was like, nope, I'm not paying $4 for that. My mom is furious. Uh, still? That you haven't watched. Okay. So she ordered it for you. So oh, stop. You, do, you have it. Come on. Why'd she it's do on, that? Because she's mad that you haven't watched it yet. She's like, Steve said he would watch your movie and he didn't. Yeah, it's the it's the pistol. You guys uh, said as kids you love the Pete Maravich story. You yes. know what's funny? I was just going through a spring cleaning and a bunch of junk. And I have, I have so many old electronics. And I pulled out a bin. And I was like, I still have two DVD players. I'm going to freaking throw the... Now, as you know, you did. I didn't finish that because I'm a hoarder. And I was like, I might need them. Might need to hook up the DVD player sometime soon. Well, there you go. Thank yep. you. Thank you for the gift. Sure. I will watch this. I guess I have to watch it tonight. All right. We'll see you, everybody.